Well, welcome to Gospel Friends of Chris and Beck today, episode 18. Uh, we're going to share some stories of our hearts. Now, we, uh, we're living in an age of authenticity, aren't we? So we're going to actually share how we're going. How do you feel about that, Dale? I think I can manage that. Okay, good. <laughs> so no, no faith, no pretense, but raw honesty here. And I actually think Jesus shows up in our moment of need when we actually, in weakness and messiness, depend on him. He actually becomes relevant. And I think it's important for leaders in ministry to be modelling that. So that's why I'm trying to do that with the Gen Zers at ACU. I'm trying to do that here. Uh, some of the things we're going to share today, it's really to fuel your prayers for us. That's uh, a real joy having you kind of listen in, uh, you being on the kind of AFES team. We literally couldn't do this ministry without you, so we thank you. It's a joy. It's a privilege. Uh, and I just want to say, if you are financially supporting the work, I pray for you monthly and give thanks for the genuine, joyful partnership that we have. Uh, and also, we're going to share some, some things today with the hope that the lessons we've learned and the things we've gone through might actually bless you. Maybe you're in a similar spot. Maybe it helps you understand something about your context or evangelicalism where, where you live might kind of sharpen you to ask better questions and kind of discern the Lord's will in your life. Yeah, so I guess we, uh, as we've been deconstructing um yeah, our own sort of leaving of a church. Uh, we've been thinking about, uh, I guess, the role that we played in creating, um, yeah, a church culture uh, and a culture that wasn't actually always healthy or uh, where people didn't always flourish. And so I guess, yeah, we were thinking about how we contributed to that and the role that we played. Mm-hmm. Uh, we look back and we actually have regret about some of the, yeah, the systems that we set up and, and even reinforced um, so yeah, I guess we hope to approach this topic with great humility um, because we want to say like we've actually gotten it wrong uh, sometimes pretty badly and um, yeah, it's, we, we contributed to that. We're mm. not innocent. And I think probably uh, speaking to lots of people over the last months has actually mm. helped us process about uh, people's hurts and people's experiences and stories and perspectives. And that's probably helped us kind of... I think about, you know, what is joyful Christian ministry, how to run the Christian race sustainably, uh, what um, yeah, sacrifice kind of looks like, you know, what the Christian life is kind of meant to be. Yeah, and I guess is it supposed to be a slog or is it, yeah, supposed to be one with joy and happiness? Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, the, I was listening to a podcast a few weeks ago and the Reach Australia keynote speaker, it's kind of like a church planning organisation, I guess you'd call it, in Australia. Um, he, he, I think, spoke on humility. I didn't go this year. But uh, he was critiquing um, the way of thinking sometimes in our mob and he kind of says that often we can ask what we can do for Jesus. Uh, we're not asking what Jesus has done for us. It's kind of a bit of a subtle difference here, isn't it? It's kind of a bit like, you know what we can do for Jesus, not what Jesus has done for us. Like it's, it's similar, but I think it can slightly have things out of kilter because it's all about kind of me and what I'm going to do, you know, say at ACU for Jesus to make a difference, to make my name great again. Um, yeah. Uh, so let's get into our episode today with point one. What's point one, Beck? Do better, try harder. Mm. Yeah. Do better, try harder. So maybe there's a flawed discipleship model. That's erred too far one way that we've fallen into uh, that is all about performance. Mm. 
I mean, it happens kind of within church planning context. There's just so much to do, isn't there? There's a huge load to pick up. There's really little people. When there's the expectation that if you're in that core team, you really do like bear a big load of the roles that need to be filled. And that's just the expectation. Yeah. Um, and, and that's reasonable. Not, if you're not doing it, someone else will have to. Yeah. Yeah. If you've yeah. only got 30 people, of course, you're all going to be doing some heavy lifting. So, of course, it, yeah, I think it's natural that it does start out that way. Mm. But I guess probably our story is it started out going hard. Yeah. Uh, and that was fine in the season. Mm. It was fine, especially when I was... Working as a teacher, it was especially fine when I was working in ministry doing a traineeship because you had space for that. But as we kept adding children and more responsibilities, um, we actually never slowed down. Mm. That's one thing we've pondered over in this, in this last six months where we've actually had weeks where we haven't been out twice or three times with meetings or even once that we can actually just connect with each other, connect with the family. Mm. And I, I just look back and think, man, I was running at such a stupid pace and I just thought I was invincible in ministry well yeah but there were moments where you wanted to slow down and there were times where you were struggling in life and you had said that you wanted to pull back on some things but then it became really hard about what you actually could pull back on and um what would happen and even how people felt about that I remember you sort of yeah, just having to mull over that and that just, being a point of yeah, pressure. And I just felt a great sense of shame that I was letting the team down because I left AFS. I kind of stepped back from, I think, leading a gospel community yeah. at church. Um, and, like, I was, I was at the point of burnouts. Like, I was really harsh with uh, words with you for, yeah. for a couple months on end. You encouraging me to see a psych. There's some family, extended family stuff we're working through with kind of inheritance. Um, but I just remember there was only one person who said to me I was doing too much. Hmm. And that was a bloke in a Bible study who's from England and he's kind of, you know, came in with his family for a few years and then kind of left. Um, it was the only person who tapped me on the shoulder and said, Chris, what pace are you running, mate? Like, this is not good. And maybe he was seeing some bad fruit in my life to to boldly say that. But I think, what did I say to him at the time? (laughs) I'll do better and try harder. No, (laughs) no, 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 I didn't say that. I said, said, no, mate, I'll be right. I'm an exception, you know. I can kind of do all things through him who gives me strength. She'll be right. Classic uh, Aussie attitude coming Mm. out to my English friend. So, yes, I I guess the the tricky thing is... is, um, I just felt, looking back, that more and more st- we were just doing more and more stuff. You in the magnification space mean like lots of fingers in the pie, lots of different pies. Uh, but it was always there was no sense of slowing down each year and asking what are we doing, why, what goes, what starts. Uh, there was just more and more kind of I guess expected of us. Mm. Um, and it was always uh, felt quite yeah guilty to say no to things mm. and because that we were saying that church planning culture that someone's going to have to drop pick up the ball mm. if you drop it back and so that she guilt then well if I did say no to this job or this serving or whatever this may be I'm going to put a heavier load on somebody else and therefore I need a good excuse to say no um, and that yeah becomes really tiring doesn't it mm. yeah yeah. And and even I, I think I started serving in certain areas that I felt convicted in, but then over time there was all these other things that I was um other people were 
uh, I guess, encouraging me to sacrifice in this or that way. And in the end, that's not really where I wanted to do. So that's kind of really hard being dissidents and, and not having the reflective space to to really think about that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could never actually, probably my people-pleasing tendency as well, that I couldn't um, actually say no to people. And that's some stuff I've been doing work reflecting on lately. Well, yeah, and I guess, like, it's always a... Like, we often talk about people and capacity, and we often ask, like, what do you have capacity for? Um, But I think sometimes I feel like capacity is a really tricky one because um, we say, what do you have capacity for? But it's not until that bucket is full and you're at capacity that we go, oops, I've taken on too much and I probably should have said no somewhere along the way. And so I often feel like capacity can be a slightly wrong question because even especially as a mum with young children, you've actually got a lot of time, right? But your capacity is low because naps are unpredictable. Kids get sick a lot. You get exhausted. There's housework to be done, you know, groceries. Yeah, I just, yeah, we often, I ask so many people as ministry leaders, like, what do you have capacity for? But maybe a better question would have been, how are you going how are you managing life? How are you managing, you know, your relationship with God? Um, and therefore, uh, what um, could you or could you not be doing in order to keep a, a healthy balance? Um, yeah, sometimes I think we are asking slightly wrong questions. Yeah, even kind of like where are you serving or what you're doing, not what are you putting to death? It's so intense. What are you putting to death? But, but I know, no, I've actually found myself asking people that question because I once asked somebody and, and got such an inadequate answer back that I thought, what is going on there? Um, if you can't actually know yourself that well, is it because you're just so busy and full? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, but it, like again, though, I feel like, like if you look at people as like things to be used in your ministry, right? You're constantly asking what they have capacity to do. But if you're looking at people as souls that the, that are the Lord's and you are purely trying to be a leader and a guide of them as mm. you lead them in their ministries, then you don't care what they've got capacity for. You care how they're going and what their gifts are and how you can facilitate your role to help them use mm. them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I get angry at the word capacity, but... <laughs> uh, so, so I think for bringing it back to my heart, like yeah. at ACU at the moment, I'm, I'm always trying to ask students, like, how's your connection with God going? You're mm-hmm. reading his word, you listen to worship, you're crying out to him in prayer, you know, like how are you growing? So that, that because I know that I can kind of be like, hey, are you leading a Bible study? You're the president, you're doing this and kind of a list of tasks. But ultimately that's all just chaff unless there's a real vibrant relationship with God where they're kind of growing and kind of flourishing. Mm. So I think it's everything we've been through has really kind of helped me sharpen my ministry that godliness is the key. Mm. Um, yeah, our union with Christ, our walking in fellowship with him, that's what matters, not just what I can get out of this person uh, in ministry. Mm. Yeah, I think as a leader, spiritual health needs to be more important than the people's gifts. Mm. Um, I think I've got that wrong for a while. Yeah, so let's talk about that. How have you got that wrong? Um, yeah, so um, I think like I think I got that wrong by uh, having uh, someone rock up at church one day and he um, had just left his church and I got tapped on the shoulder and said, Beck 
this guy's new to our church and he is a fantastic musician. And um, when I met him, I just thought, scored. This guy is going to be so good for my ministry. I'm so excited that he's joined and I'm going to get him on a music team as soon as I can. Um, but she wouldn't have been nicer to actually slow down and say, how's he going? How's he settling in? Uh, why, why, why he, did he leave yeah. his old church? Yeah. Not necessarily why, but how's he going now that he's left? Um, did he leave in okay circumstances? How's his heart going with that? Um, I was just busy looking at him and how he could serve my agenda, not actually how can I love and bless and encourage mm. him. Uh, so, yeah, I feel quite bad about that. Mm. Um, so I guess as we've been kind of chatting about these kind of things you've talked about an evolution hmm. yes um so so do you want to kind of talk to us about that well why i've shifted in how i yeah and, and and how that looked yeah so yeah i think um i think originally um i i sort of set up my music so that um the the music at deep at the church was going to be um, undistractingly excellent, and that was on all of my policies that I would give musicians when they came. And I think that as a as an outcome is a really a really good one. Um, but I think in doing so, I accidentally made it really hard for people to come authentically and just serve. So it's actually about trying harder, yeah, <laughs> doing okay. better, trying yeah. harder. Okay, yeah. And I, I demonstrated that by, like, when they came, I would show them the level of where they were at with their gift or their, their skill. Um, through an audition, yeah. Yeah, okay. and then encourage them to think about how they could grow in their ability. Now, none of this is bad in and of itself. It's good to keep growing in our gifts for the Lord, right? Mm. But um, I, I cared, I guess, sometimes, I think, more about being undistractedly excellent in services rather than actually seeing how people were going and caring for them and actually just having them rock up to church messy and all and just serve, not having it be so fantastic. Um, They didn't need to always do better and try harder. So, so kind of, you know, Corona lockdown happens. Like how did you see the evolution of your kind of, I guess, ministry philosophy? Well, I think I realized that it was flawed when, um, when I started to notice that they were serving every week doing online recordings and I was getting worried about them because they were really exhausted. Um, and so I, then I started a, a Bible college subject and the lecturer just convinced me and really showed me that soul care has to be the most important thing as a leader for the people I lead. I need to care for their hearts and their soul and their salvation, not just the gifts that they have. And so when we came back to relaunching church, all of a sudden I felt like my agenda had shifted. I no longer wanted these big music teams with fantastic music that was big and like powerful. Um, excellent. Excellent. Undistractingly excellent. I actually wanted them to be sustainable um, and good uh, for them. Mm, yeah, um, okay. And I wanted to know how they were going and how I, as their leader, could bless them and encourage them and make it sustainable for them. Mm. Um, and that's when I noticed that I think I'd had the wrong mentality with okay. them, that I'd gotten it wrong. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's um that's interesting. All right, well Becca stepped out of the room to get a bottle ready for Henry. So let me just uh wind uh this section up. Uh, I want to bring in some other voices on this topic. I want to honor different voices uh because fundamentally I think it's easy to accidentally suppress people's stories or opinions. 
I've heard it said that uh, sometimes people can feel valued as a resource and not a person. Uh, someone else said to me once, my skills and abilities are valued, but as a person, I don't feel particularly valued. I feel replaceable. Ouch. I'm a cog in the machine. Huh. What would happen if I was sick in bed for months on end and couldn't do ministry? Would I be loved and valued then? We've got to reassess a culture that says sacrifice until you die, sacrifice until you burn out completely. So I think we've got to be treading carefully and reassessing uh, our cultures we've created. And this do more, try harder culture is kind of concerning. We've got to be shepherding people and caring for the flock, not just ministry outputs. Uh, Sheep have to be before programs. So uh, I'd love to hear what you think about some of this stuff. Send us an email, call us up. Choose a text, but I'm calling for us and working in a ministry culture at ACU where we kill this culture of try hard to do more. I'm keen to hear about your experience as well. Well, we resume with... Resume. Yeah, didn't say that probably. Uh, with uh, Henry drinking a bottle uh, and let's go to point number two. We've only got two points today. Uh, why do we just feel this repeated feeling of guilt? Anxiety that we're never doing enough. Now, it's probably attached to the try harder, do more culture. But for some reason, I just don't think we've been living or believing the gospel of grace. Um, Can we actually really be a failure and not be effective or do ministry? Why do we always have to present a face that we've got it together? Um, You know, why am I always achieving and trying to push myself to the very limit? Christian life's about sacrifice, right? I've heard that over and over again. But where's the grace? We preach grace and we want to uh, also preach rest and grace. But how do those things actually fit together? Can we actually be easy on ourselves and gentle? Where does kind of grace fit with serving or even not serving or different capacities? I yeah. feel I'm just rambling. No, here. I think <laughs> we probably are. But no, I, I think um, I think we, we want to preach grace and we want to say that the Christian walk is filled with grace. But yet I think outwardly we show that the Christian walk is also really hard and it's a slog and you've got to go hard and do lots of good works and like fill yourself Contribute. up to just the point of breaking. But it's sacrifice for the gospel um, and... Again, it's one of those subtle things, right? In and of itself, it's not bad to to be fighting it out for the gospel. Like, it's not supposed to be easy. We take up our cross, yep. all of that Amen. fun stuff. But I think looking back now, I just think of all those days and weeks and months and years of just feeling like we were just slogging it through and, mm. um, and also feeling that inability to say no and... Um, that we just needed to keep going and, and pushing through because yep. that's what that's the Christian what, that's, that's life is. That's what God was. needs of us. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. We kind of accidentally make it look like it's works based. Mm. Like you need to be doing Performing. these things yeah, yeah. to be a good Christian. Mm. Yeah. So I was, I was talking about this with the Father in the Faith the other day, and he said to me, Chris, how do people go at saying no to you? How do you make them feel? Like, how do you go at incorporating others' ideas? And I thought, what great question to ask me, you know, still my ministry pay plates, really. Um, because I think it's easy to create culture where you have to serve mm. or other people have agendas for where you're kind of serving. And, and I think the church 
growth movement needs to think about grace and actually where, where kind of that fits, if that makes sense. Because there's always this, like, if you don't do it back, someone else is going to have to actually um, pick up your, your being lazy. But maybe it's not that. Maybe you're sacrificing in different ways. Well, yeah, and I guess the movement also has its flaws in that, like, we set a bare minimum of programs and excellence that it needs yeah. to reach, and therefore you really do need people to fill rosters. But sometimes it gets to the point where we see people as, like we were saying before, resources, not souls. Mm. And so when they do say no to us, it hurts because now I need to find someone new to make my ministry keep happening um, rather than going, like, actually, if I'm going to let my people live in grace and rest, then do I need to wind back my ministries? Do I need to alter my ministries? Mm. Pause. Like, yeah. do I, I am I prayerfully considering what my ministry should not look like, just not replicating what mm. I hear someone telling me I should do or it should look like? Mm. What do my people need? Yeah. And I think... I think for me that's probably why Gentle and Lowly has been so persuasive across all of Australia and, and you know, America as well and people are so moved by it. We just never saw this gentle and, and lowly Jesus who's kind to us. We always just assume that, you know, he'll grow the church as we're doing everything. Mm. Maybe Jesus could grow his church kind of in other ways. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I guess... Um, something I've been thinking about is what if life circumstances doesn't allow you to kind of push yourself to the absolute limit? Well, I mean, no one should push themselves to the absolute limit, right? But Mm. like um, I heard a quote recently about um, like if people aren't serving, um, then it's probably because they don't have a big enough view of Jesus and you, you just need to preach the gospel better to them. And this again, there's always truths to this, yeah. but it misses the point that people cannot be serving for really good reasons. Um, maybe they're sleep deprived. Uh, maybe they have uh, got a really big job. Maybe they just started their first full time job. And maybe they, they're a dad or a mum struggling with the adjustment, or kind extended of family thing. stresses. Yeah. Caring for um, family, yeah. Yeah, like we just who are we to decide what people's serving should look like? Um, and then why do we glorify? saying, you know, 93% of my church are all serving on rosters. Uh, That metric takes into account absolutely no spiritual health data whatsoever. It looks really glamorous, but... Well, it looks impressive as well. Someone walks in the door and there's, yeah, all these things happening. But it doesn't take a spiritual health check of those people. Um, Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's hard when you've got rosters to fill. It's hard to let people sit in grace. And maybe a, a better health check is kind of, what have you said no to recently? Mm. Is there a culture of failure? Is there a culture of kind of brokenness and, you know, actually relying on Jesus? Or is everything kind of linked back to, you know, this feeling of guilt, performance orientated culture, you've got to do things. Uh, we had some friends over the other day and uh, this, uh, I would say mother in the faith actually, um, said to us, uh, in her church in Sydney, she has never once felt guilted, but church was the most welcoming and kind and gracious place that she ever felt. And I just thought, man, what what went wrong in my discipleship formation pathways or kind of my convictions that um, I always had to be doing things at church, always had to be pushing myself to the absolute brink because that's what Jesus needs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah, even that I helped set up pathways to keep moving people through 
from getting to church to becoming a member to be to getting you on a roster like it was this smooth pathway that everyone should fit this mm. this line to get you in um yeah i just people's souls are just too valuable to just only be thinking about yeah that do do better try harder like yeah Mm. And, and I was thinking the other day, something like um, hospitality, can't really roster for that, can't really measure that. Uh, spiritual friendships, like I can tell you as somebody who leans on others for support in ministry, I absolutely couldn't do it without uh, brothers or sisters who actually support the ministry and there's these kind of brilliant, joyful partnerships. But sometimes we can just be so busy slaving, if I want to use that kind of biblical language Luke 15 but doing things for God that we actually are not caring for our souls and we're not going deeper with the Lord and actually deeper with others and and enjoying that kind of fellowship because we're so busy doing ministry and in in many ways that's almost my story to a T right that I could have this huge list written about me and all these what looks like amazing things and roles that I have done for the church but I walked away um you know with a very flaky relationship with the Lord and almost yep. no spiritual friends outside yeah. um, DPC. Yep. So that was... So all your support yeah. structures was at One the church place. left. Correct. Uh, yeah. Um, and I'd spent all of my time doing ministry and very little time building deep connections with others uh, and with God. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Shame on me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Beck, tell us about the you coming to church with a new baby. Which time? <laughs> um, was it hard to sit back and be served? Uh, no. Every time I had a baby, I always felt this pressure to when was I going to get back onto a roster? When was I going to get back into serving? In fact, after some of my babies, I, I didn't stop. I okay. kept going. Um, I, actually, after all of my kids, I kept being the music coordinator. I never stepped back from that role. Um But, yeah, I always just felt this impending guilt that I should be getting back into it and I should be be doing it. Um, I wish I had been gentler on myself and Mm. just, yeah, said no. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I felt guilty. Yeah. Yep. All right, let's wind up. Beck, what are you looking for in a new church? Like we're currently, I guess... I was going to say palliative care at Bundy, but just seeking rest <laughs> at Bundy for a bit. Palliative care. Yeah, yeah. End times. Yeah, um, no, definitely not. No. Um, yeah, I guess I'm looking for a place where um, I can feel like I can rest in, especially grace, but just rest. Yeah. Um, Be I, served I've, and serve others, correct. not always kind of leading and doing and driving and yeah. performing. And, yeah. and not feeling guilty for saying no and... Um, just living a more balanced life. Mm. I think too many years have been spent trying to do better and yeah. try harder and feeling guilty. Yep. And I just don't want that anymore. So kind of a depth with the Lord, a yep. depth with others, not just running programs, well, I driving think Hopefully if I'm doing less ministry, right, there's more time to enjoy time with God and enjoy time with others. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. What about you, Chuck? <laughs> oh, no, I think I think we've just answered it there. <laughs> um, yeah, I think belonging is important, hmm. um, and I think I think all this is just really humbling me personally and, and us, hmm. um, and it has been well, challenging. Can... But I think God, I I'm starting to 
you know, get the head above water to actually mm. see how God's shaping us for the next season of ministry. And probably that's why we're rambling on this podcast to share our heart with others. And Well, I think it can be, mm. I think often it's very easy to blame others or to look at others' contribution to your hurt. Oh, but yeah. I think it's been helpful for us to realise that actually we contributed to our own hurt in many ways. Um, and yeah, I hope that's what this yeah ramblings have have shown um and and i think i think there's integrity about doing the reflection not just kind of finger pointing uh, or or just kind of walking away nothing to see here but i think it's actually really important to actually all find our voices to Mm. um prayerfully consider things that we've done to fuel and flame the situation uh ways uh that we can kind of talk about things now without like kneecapping people or kind of baseball batting their knees that it takes other people's ministry out we want to actually be generous and kind and gracious Mm. um yeah anything final notes worth note uh friends Love to hear your thoughts on any of this. Yeah. You might just completely disagree. Something might have struck a chord. You might want to ask follow-up questions. Choose an email, text, Facebook Messenger. Um, What's call that? Us. Yeah. Twitter, Instagram. <laughs> Check us out on socials. <laughs> uh, we hope that this has been uh, a blessing uh, to you. And thanks for listening in. Bye for now.